0: Here in the room, would call yourself a saint. Say, I'm a saint. <laughs> a few, few, we don't like to put up that, our hand, right? The, the, Pastor Doug did, did this in Mississauga last week. Only two or three people will put up their hand. That's why Derek's laughing. He knew. He, he, he was there. We don't want to call ourselves saints, but we are saints. When we, when we, uh, when we take on Christ's nature, when we, when we allow ourselves to go through the process of sanctification... We're saints, but we we think, no, saints is reserved for the people who live this perfect life, that never make a mistake, that are absolutely, positively, they're just like Jesus, but when we accept Christ, we become saints, and the hope is, is that as we turn our hearts and our lives over to him, our actions will become more like him, and this passage takes our understanding of faith and who we are as saints, it takes us away from just the theoretical, and now we're getting into the real practical, and it's actually going to look at how we treat each other, not just about how we interact with God personally, but how we interact with our community. And when you join a new club, there's always this expected code of conduct, right? If you've ever joined a golf club, there's this way you have to dress a certain way. You have to wear, wear a collar or you have, there's no open-toed shoes or and it's something like that. There, there's a certain type of language restrictions. When you join a golf club, they say, here's your code of conduct. When you're in a union at work, there's, there's, there's things that you're forced to do, forced to not do, payments you're forced to make. There's a certain code of conduct. If, if some of you may have experienced where you were going on strike, but you didn't really want to go on strike, but because you're in union, that was what you were expected to do. If you were a school, if, if, you, if you went to a university, did, did anybody go to McMaster University? Any, any, any McMaster grads? What is with the purple, the maroon? Like It's not a very flattering color, is it? Do you have a lot of maroon, Damien? No, he doesn't have any, any maroon. You're not, you're not doing what the... Oh, he does have a couple of maroon. Because you were encouraged to get, to get the, the, the eagle or the... Mar, no, the marauder, right? The maroon. We have these schools with different, different mascots and different colors. And even though you may look at it and go, that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I would never choose that. You put it on because you're in this club. You're in this code of... You're going to follow the code of conduct. Well, Paul starts to teach the expectations... For the Code of Conduct for Christianity. And we're going to read it in Ephesians. Uh, we're going to start in Ephesians 4, verse 25. We're going to go through Ephesians 5, verse 2. You can follow along. It's in the NIV version if you have it in front of you. Ephesians 4:25. This is what it says. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then verse 1 and 2, chapter 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we read this passage And it outlines a few of the ways that we're supposed to act as Christians. And to be honest, most of this stuff we're taught in kindergarten. If we read those verses, it says, don't lie, don't steal, don't get mad, don't swear. Most of us probably figure, you know what, I I heard that when I was four, five, six years old, and I've pretty well figured out most of those things. I'm not supposed to steal, lie, get mad at other people. But this morning, what I want us to consider is maybe... There's a possibility that we haven't figured out everything that Paul was saying to us, and we haven't necessarily applied it. We haven't taken on everything that Christ is asking out of us and that Paul is detailing in this, in this passage. I know that even in my small group this week, we discussed how easy it is for us as believers, as Christians, who have taken on this new humanity, to fall back into the traps and temptations that we thought we had dealt with years ago. We thought, you know, when I, when I first met Jesus, I... I took on his presence. I took on his likeness. And, but how easy is it for us to slip back into, in, into that old nature? And w- one member commented that even if we feel like we've come so far, what her goal was is that she would always be moving forward, just forward momentum, becoming more and more like Christ every day, com- continually submitting her life and behavior over to Jesus. So with that in mind, I would like us to consider the new code of conduct that where it's being detailed here in Ephesians 4 and 5. So the first thing that Paul details right off the bat, he says, speak truth. The New Century Version says, so you must stop telling lies. Tell each other the truth because we all belong to the same body. How easy is it for you to lie? You don't have to answer right now. (laughs) I, I think it's pretty easy for us to lie. And if we were very honest, I think we probably told a number of lies this week. How you doing this morning? Fine. Yeah, you're all fine, I'm sure. <laughs> nobody's sick. Nobody's tired of winter. Nobody's grouchy. Nobody wants to be at home. How you doing? Fine. <laughs> I'm fine. We lie to that almost every morning. Sorry, I missed your phone call. It must have been on vibrate. <laughs> Means... I looked and I saw your number and I didn't want to answer the phone because I was doing something more interesting. That's the, it, it may have well, very well been on vibrate, but you decided I'm just going to share the part that it was on vibrate. I'm not going to share the part that I didn't want to speak to them. Thanks for the gift. I loved it. <laughs> How many times have you said that? when you're, That thing is in the closet. You've already re-gifted it. Thanks for the gift. I loved giving it to somebody else. I'm going to start my diet and exercise tomorrow, first thing. (laughs) That's what happens at lunch every day, right? It's easy for us to lie. The project at work that you know, you're heading into this meeting and your manager has said, have you done all the reading so that you can present this project well? And you're, oh yeah, (laughs) I did all of that reading meaning you had it sitting on the couch beside you while you were watching TV last night and you kind of briefed it because you knew that your manager would ask you if you had read that because he really doesn't like being underprepared for some kind of meeting. But yeah, you read that. <laughs> the classic reminder for me when it, when it comes to this is, did, did anybody own a What Would Jesus Do? bracelet back in the 90s? Just confession time here. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few people. Um, we, had, we had these great bracelets. If, if you didn't, if, if you weren't into pop Christian culture in the 90s, it was WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we, we, some people had it on like their fingernails. The girls would paint it on their fingernails. Some people had it on a bracelet. There were, there were t-shirts. And it was this thought of, can we, can we only ever act and respond the way that Jesus would? And we're talking about being imitators of Christ. And let's think about him telling the truth. What Jesus could have lied at a number of times and it really would have benefited him. I was thinking about this. Think about Jesus in front of Pilate. And Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? This is what, this is what he's being now put up maybe to be crucified, to be condemned. Are you king of the Jews? He really could have said, you know, technically no. <laughs> technically I'm not really a king. Because he says, you're asking if I'm an earthly king. And he could have just left it there. But he said, no, but I am a king, just not of this world. So now it's intrigued, and now Pilate wants to get in. But he could have just said, no, I'm not a king of this world, and just left it there, and not gone into full, full disclosure of who he was. And then Pilate says, because you're accused of causing riots. Just tell them, Jesus, just tell them, you know, actually, I was healing people. And yes, the religious leaders were upset, and they're instilling riots, but... He just said nothing because he had been causing riots. That was true. He says, I came to testify to truth. That's all he says. Came to testify to truth. And you're right. I am a king. And you're right. I did cause riots. Nothing else. There's no hint of deception in Jesus' words. The NIV says, don't, don't speak any falsehood. Definitively speaking truth at all times. How would Jesus answer? John one fourteen says this, The Word became flesh and He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. How do you respond when you're faced with a situation and you know your answer will cause hurt or pain? Your partner asks you, Are you mad at me? <laughs> and you know that the honest answer would be Yes. But you know that it may cause conflict, so how do we answer? Well, not really. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at a situation. <laughs> we don't want to speak truth. We don't want to speak we we have this natural inkling inside us that if we lie, if we just make if we just spin it a little bit better our way, things will go better for it better for us. But Jesus says, Paul says, speak truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. If we want to be imitators of God, we have to look at every situation and go, you know, no matter what the consequence would be, I'm going to speak truthfully. I'm going to just be the person that Jesus is asking me to be. You know, at work, actually, it can be beneficial to speak truth. We know that oftentimes nothing gets resolved in, in situations at work unless somebody speaks truth, where somebody comes up, your, your boss has this idea, and they say, how do you like my new idea? Do you think it's going to go well? We know that the right answer is, I love your idea. It's going to go well. But inside, we might be thinking, it's not really going to go well. (laughs) I don't really like this. But truth can actually bring some light into that situation and make things go better at work. But we're afraid to speak the truth because our natural habit at all times is just to lie and to make the situation go well because we don't want to be in the bad books. And Paul says, don't let there even be a hint of deception. That's the code of conduct that we're called to live by as Christians. And the code of life which is prevalent, it's, it, it, it's not the code of life which was prevalent when Paul was living. And it's not the code that we live by in our world. Our code is just lie, just make it go better for yourselves. We need to remember that when Paul writes this to, to the Roman world, Rome was one of the most depraved societies that's ever existed on the face of the earth. Next week we're going to look at uh, we've we've looked at new life, we've looked at new conduct. Next week we're going to look at new sexuality and how and what the Ephesians says about that. Rome was one of the most sexually depraved societies, and it was a, a society that was full of theft and murder and corruption. They were a lot like our world, and Paul says to them, just because people around you lie doesn't mean that you should lie. Just because that's the code of conduct that maybe your your workplace, maybe people in your family, maybe your neighborhood, just because that's commonplace, he says speak truth all the time. Never have a, a hint of deception because we're called to live differently, live truthfully. He says speak the truth. You know the second thing he says is manage your anger. Ephesians 4:26 and 27. Don't let this don't let s- sin, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. How many nights, just honestly thinking, have you laid awake thinking about a conflict that's unresolved in your life? You're lying in bed, and the things that are going through your head are, I wish this person wouldn't do this, or I'm so mad at this person, or this person just drives me crazy. And you think about this conflict and it robs you of your sleep and it makes you stew. And What happens to that problem when you're lying away? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And do you ever notice that the longer you fixate on a problem, the larger it becomes in your mind? So you're not sleeping and the problem feels bigger. And consequently, your anger and frustration start to affect other areas of your life. And when we read here in Ephesians... It just, Paul just says, don't, let, don't even let one sunset go down on your anger. Go and deal with it. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says this, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. And when we let this anger fester and, we, and it becomes this big problem, we act upon it. And The book of Proverbs says that's when we become foolish. You know that our code of conduct is actually for our benefit for our life, There is wisdom in getting rid of your anger and dealing with it in a beneficial way rather than venting it all out. Anybody ever vented their anger on somebody? Okay, we I want to ask for a few few of them, right? Doesn't always turn out super well when we give vent to that anger. In fact, we probably do feel foolish afterwards and we have to deal with consequences. This is practical stuff that actually helps us. But you know, more importantly, he says manage your anger because that's a life that Jesus lived and that's a life that honors God. It's interesting to me to note that it, Paul doesn't say, don't get angry. Do you see that? He, he doesn't say, don't get mad. Don't have an emotion that ticks you off. He didn't say that. He says, don't sin when you get angry. <laughs> he's, he's actually understanding there are times when you're going to be mad, but don't sin when you get angry. Proverbs says, when we vent our rage, that's when we get angry. The emotion isn't a sin. It's the fixation on that, the follow through when we don't deal with it well. It's a fine line, but it's an important line because Jesus taught us that the feeling of hatred, remember what he said that's the same as? Murder, yeah. He said when you have that feeling of hate, that's the same sin as murder. That's just venting the hatred. That's what happens when murder happens. So what are we to do with these seemingly contrasting passages jesus says don't have hatred and in ephesians it says just don't give vent to or it says um don't sin when you get angry when you experience the emotion of anger when something happens i guarantee there is something that happened in your life this week that just ticked you off you had this kind of irk building up inside of you you know where to do where to give it to god where to go to god and say god i'm angry god there's something that's driving me crazy And we're not to go and treat our brother and sister who's in the new community with us with anger and and vent on them. We're to go and we're to say, you know, Christ extended forgiveness to me because I sinned which would have angered him. And he still loved me. So I'm to go to the person who's angered me and extend the same kind of forgiveness and extend that same kind of community. That's how we don't sin when we're angry. We extend the same love and community that Jesus extends to us. We're never going to be able to control our first thought. That's one of the things when I'm meeting with people and say, you know what, if you have a reaction, if you have a first thought that comes into your mind, you can't stop that thought. That's just something that happened. You know what you can stop is what you do with the second thought and what you do with the action on that. When you get angry and you, and you recognize and you say, Lord, I'm angry and I need to extend forgiveness. Yes, I'm angry, but yes, I'm going to forgive as well. God I've been given forgiveness, so I'm going to extend forgiveness to somebody else. We have that choice, so we have the choice to fixate it tonight as you're lying on your pillow (laughs) and thinking, I'm just so mad at that person. We know what the new community is expecting us to do. We know what the new code of conduct to do. But it's that old man, that old self, that old being that's inside of us that presents this conflict to us. So what are we going to do? Are we going to give it to God or are we going to hold on to it? The instruction of not letting the sun go down is, 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 a, is, a, is a beautiful one. Just to think every day before I lay my head on the pillow, just to think, Lord, who do I need to forgive? What do I need to let go of? How can I experience your peace tonight as I'm going to lay my head down? You see how these kindergarten lessons are a lot deeper than, than what they seem to be when we were four years old? Just forgive your friend. Don't get mad at them. No, we recognize as we get older, there's going to be some real hurt. And I, I, w- I, w- I don't want to slough over the fact that there's people here this morning. Obviously, there's deep hurt and deep wounds that have happened in your life. And God says, don't, don't sin when you're angry. It's okay, but don't sin. Give it to Him, turn it over to Him. The third thing that's highlighted in there, besides speak the truth and don't get angry or don't sin when you're angry, is live with integrity. Ephesians 4.28, anyone who is stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I'm going to guess that for the majority of us, we're not taking money from the till when the cashier turns their heads. And the majority of us, we're probably not breaking into homes. Have you, have you heard what people are doing now, that when they find out there's a funeral going on, they will break into homes? Anybody read that news? Just Horrible, awful stuff happening. I'm hoping that the majority of our church is not involved in that. That's uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed. But that's a quick path to jail time and fines and things like that. But I do believe that there's a struggle inside of us with integrity. That when there's contract work done on our home, is there a discrepancy with how much you pay to the contractor? and how much we claim on our taxes, because if you've ever had contract work done, oftentimes you'll say, so just fill in there however much you want to have done. In the end, who's getting hurt, right? The contractor got paid, you got the money back, you're going you're gonna to invest it into the economy. This is win-win-win for everybody here. Expense reports. Who did, who did we have lunch with and how much was that tip? when you're handing in a, an expense report that was a business lunch. It was, it was a $20 lunch and I tipped $42. <laughs> so I'm going to hand in a $62 expense report. Paul's teaching the church here that even if the act probably really doesn't hurt anyone, even if we feel it's a small discretion, this is the area where we're called to be different as Christians, where our code of conduct says, in all areas of our life, live with the utmost integrity. 1 John 2, 6 this verse has been resonating in my heart this week. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So if you need to go get the bracelet, go get a bracelet. Or if you need, if you need to put the WWJD on your fingernails, do it. Whatever you need, <laughs> live as Jesus did. Imagine how he would respond and act and live that way. Our integrity and honesty should extend to a point where it grabs the attention of other, of other people around us. And they say, why on earth would you live that way? It's because Jesus did. Cause i'm embodying this verse if i claim to live in him then i'm going to live the way he did have you ever had a, had a, the opportunity when you've gotten more change back from the teenager who's giving, no offense to the teenagers who are working at American Eagle right now, but sometimes they're like, yeah, here, take this, because I could make the same mistake, so I'm just saying. I'm just throwing out there, sometimes I've gotten the wrong amount of change back from teenagers as they've been working at American Eagle or whatever. Sorry, Patrick, it's no offense happening there at all, right, buddy? What do you do with that change? (laughs) Do you say, yes, I win. The universe has tipped in my way, the Lord has blessed me, and now I've gotten change. I'm going to spend that on Starbucks. Or do you say, if this was Jesus, he would give it back and maybe give even more, but you know what, you made a mistake and I'm going to bless you and give you more because I want to live with integrity. One of my, one of my mentors in life, um, he, he, was, he had just ordered uh, Bell Satellite TV, and Bell had given him like a thousand channels, and he was paying for the basic minimum, and, he, and, he, and he'd, he'd had it for a couple of weeks, and he was going through, assuming that at some point they were going to click it on, so... He called them and he said, I have 1,000 channels and I'm paying for about 30 channels. And they said, no, you don't, sir. And he said, well, I'm telling you that I have 1,000 channels because I'm watching channel 960. And they said to him, no, that's impossible because you only have up to channel 35. He said, well, on channel 960 right now, I'm telling you that the Boston Red Sox are playing and I'm watching the game happening. I think you should probably take this off. And they they asked him and they said, why on earth are you calling us and asking us to turn off the free TV that you're getting? And he said, because I was only paying for 35 channels and I just didn't feel good about it. And the person said, well, I don't believe that you're getting it, but I'll take a look at it for you <laughs> and see, is, is there anything else I can help you with today, sir? He said, no, that's all. And that story sticks out in my mind. Eventually, he did lose his TV and we were all very sad for him. <laughs> But the story sticks out in my mind. That was like 10 years ago. And I think, man, if I could live with integrity like he did. Man, if, if my integrity would stand out to others so much that, that my life would be just like the life of Christ. Last thing that is highlighted in this passage is, um, he says, watch your language. <laughs> I'm going to read it out of the message in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. I studied a few commentaries on this passage and you know it's not really talking about swearing four-letter word combinations that we've assembled in English that we say are bad words. And although to stand for integrity, it's probably not a great idea to be having a bad mouth, but it is isn't the focus of this passage. Remember that the focus of this passage is how we treat each other in the community. Do we forgive each other? Do we live with integrity towards each other? Do we speak truth to each other? In this passage, it's saying, remember those people who get on our nerves? <laughs> those, remember those people that anger us? Doesn't it feel really good to debrief with somebody else about them? To debrief? again <laughs> and say, you would not believe what that person said to me or did this week. And we're not, we're not gossiping. We're not talking down to them. We're debriefing because that's healthy and we, need to, and we need to do that. No. <laughs> this verse here says, the message explains it so beautifully. Make a clean break with cutting backbiting and profane talk. We want to tell somebody else how horrible and mean that they, that they were. On the playground, the kindergarten lesson was don't call names. Don't spread rumors. But once we're older, we figure that that's okay for us. Here's what 1 Corinthians 14.20 says. This is it's a beautiful juxtaposition. It goes, Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. So when it comes to the evil parts, be infants who have no idea about what evil is and would never talk poorly of somebody. But in your thinking, be adults and go, no, that's not okay for me. There's never an age when it becomes okay to badmouth other people. We know that it's wrong to tear somebody else, but our habit, our code of conduct in our world is that it's okay to talk about people a little bit. I don't want to beat this one to death, but the passage is basically challenging us Live our lives in a way that outlives the standard that's around us. And not only just above it, but live our lives in a way that models Christ in every way. You know what Ephesians 4.30 says? It says, we read this earlier, but I'm going to read it out of the, out of the message again. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take... Such a gift for granted. This community that we're establishing, this life we're living in, it's supposed to be a replica of what the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit experience. Remember the story of creation? He says, let's make man in our image. Let's make humanity in our image. We're supposed to experience that same community, and the Holy Spirit draws us into that relationship with Jesus. And we know the only thing that God can't be around is sin, right? Sin violates everything that's about God. And it violates the relationship between us and the other people that's in, that are in our community as well. Pastor Doug shared this story in Mississauga last week, and this is kind of a, a partnered message with last week, and I thought it'd be appropriate for us to share this, this week with it. But years after the U.S. Civil War ended, there were people who were found to be living as slaves in the US South after the Civil War had ended. And they were continuing on in their slave lifestyle, that they were still working for nothing and they were still in their master's homes and they were still experiencing everything that they used to experience when they were in slavery, although they had been given freedom. They had been given this gift of freedom, but what was normal to them was slavery. Boy, that sounds a little bit like our lifestyle. When we've been given freedom, we've been given freedom from needing to worry about lie, and we can just speak the truth. And we've been given freedom from needing to fudge numbers, and we can just live with integrity and have this perfect community. But what's normal to us is just to exist in that that life of slavery. They remain stuck. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would be so real in our lives that we exist in freedom and we live like saints. Mark 12, 30. This is what Sanctus is based on. That we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That everything we do, this command, we would, we would live that way. And I'm going to ask Dave and Darius to come back. And as we close this morning, I want us just to reflect on our lives. That we read passages like this. And it's important to read passages like this it's important to be reminded that you know there's a different way of living and we don't always necessarily live up to the expectations and that's okay because there's forgiveness in God and you know every day we need to go and re-embrace the forgiveness that Christ has given to us and not Romans teaches us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus so we don't we don't read this to say boy I messed up and God's really disappointed in me but you know why we read this we read Read this to go, Lord, I need your forgiveness again today. Beautiful analogy is when, is when light comes, all darkness goes away, right? There's no, if I'm standing right under the light, there's no shadows on me. And when I stand a little bit away from the light and I get closer to somewhere over here, I get into like this gray area and then there's little shadows that start happening and you can see a little bit of darkness comes in, come in. And the only way to get rid of that is to go closer and deeper into a lit area and then all of a sudden there's no shadows. That's our lives. We have this choice this morning that we know that there's darkness in us and darkness around us, but we also know where the light is. And If we don't want to have any of that darkness in us, our choice is to run towards the light. So I asked the guys um, and our, our worship team this morning, could we sing the song Lord, I'm just going to run to you, turning from my sin and coming back to you. And I pray that that would be your prayer and the message of your heart this morning.